Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program of information on the ever-changing world of accessibility. Now here are the hosts of this program, Nancy Goodman Torpe and Peter Torpe. Hello, I'm Nancy. And I'm Pete. Colorblindness affects about 1 in 12 men, but only about 1 in 250 women. For most people, this doesn't make a difference. But what if your profession depends on your visual color acuity? We'll speak with Toby Derrig, a colorblind visual effects artist, about how he compensates for his color deficiency in his daily life and in performing his job. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip comes from Toby Derrig. I guess a tip that I would want to share would just be to keep pushing forward, even though you're put with some sort of disadvantage towards the world. No matter what you do, if it's something that you want to do and you believe in yourself and you want to keep pushing for it and keep working, no matter what, you're going to end up accomplishing it if you push hard enough. It doesn't matter what somebody else tells you. It doesn't matter if somebody tells you that you're stupid because you can't see things correctly or something's wrong with you. If you believe in yourself and you can keep moving forward and keep working towards your goal, you will achieve it someday. So be a little creative, persistent, and work hard, I guess. Yes, 100%. Well, you know, that's one of the reasons we have people like you and many of our other guests on the show, because you go through life, your vision is whatever it is, you lose your vision, you think, oh man, now I can't do whatever it was I used to like to do. But it turns out you probably can. And so we have people like you on the show saying, well, I figured out how to make this work in spite of my visual issue. And hopefully the listeners will hear that and say, well, if he could figure it out, maybe I can figure it out. And that's a, a very positive message that we like to share. Yes, I love that. One of the things that I love most about it is, yes, there's this issue. Yes, there's this problem. But it's amazing to prove people wrong. It feels so good to prove people wrong. And then once you do what you wanted to do, the wow factor that it gives everyone is always a fun experience, too. And then it makes it easier for the next person who's trying to do the same thing. Yes, it continues to show people that don't judge someone based on something that you hear. Base what you think on what the person is providing, what they're bringing to the table, not based on what you've heard this issue will cause, based on what you've seen in the past. Each person's different and they handle their problems differently, so they continue to push forward. Let's start by meeting Toby. My name is Toby Derrig. I am from Canandaigua, New York, and I'm a colorblind special effects makeup artist. And for anybody who doesn't know, Canandaigua is a beautiful small city at the tip of one of the most beautiful Finger Lakes. And we used to live a 20-minute drive from there, but we've moved across the country, so we used to be neighbors. <laughs> and how did you get into that field? I originally started with watching Face Off on TV, and I wanted to do something with art. I've always been interested in art, and I wanted to do something that could bring in revenue at the same time. I know in the art industry, it's a little tough. Sometimes you don't start making money till way later in your career. 
So I wanted to do something that was still an artistic outlet, but I could still make a living off of it while I'm doing it. So I'm not familiar with Face Off, and we have a lot of international listeners. Can you give us a brief description of what that is? Face Off is a special effects makeup competition show where different creators come and compete in a competition to show their best artwork that they can, and they'll do different makeups on different models and compete with a different theme each week. So it's sort of like the Iron Chef, except for makeup instead of food. Yep, it's the Iron Chef of makeup, yep. (laughs) Oh, cool. So you described yourself as a colorblind special effects makeup artist. Now, I think a lot of people think they know what it means to be colorblind, but maybe you can describe what it's like for you. A common misconception about being colorblind is that you only see in black and white. But a lot of the times, that's not the case. I personally am a dutan, which is somebody who has an issue seeing red and green, like those kind of things. The green cone receptors in my eyes don't work as well as the other ones. So I get colors mixed up. I can still see different colors, but I just can't see a full range of color. It's a little bit limited. Pastels are very difficult. Purples and blues greens and browns, reds and greens. They just kind of mesh together. If they're next to each other, it's hard for me to distinguish a difference. In a lot of cases, that wouldn't be a big deal, but it can be a real impediment to success in the visual arts. Yes. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. This week's focus topic is Toby's experiences as a colorblind visual effects artist and how he compensates for his color deficiency in his daily life and in performing his job. When did you first realize that you were colorblind? I would imagine, you know, children running around, they don't discuss these things and they don't know any difference. Um, We found out that I was colorblind when I was in first grade. I went on a vacation and we had to make a project explaining what we have done. And I went to a zoo and I drew a Texas longhorn, but I drew it and colored it green. And my teacher thought that I was messing around and she actually almost sent me to the principal's office (laughs) and people were making fun of me and they were like, Oh, are you stupid? Like you colored it the wrong color, blah, blah, blah. Why did you do that? And I didn't know. So then We ended up going to the doctors. I got tested and I found out that I was a dutan and that this was going to be a problem for me. And it was a little difficult on my parents because I come from a very artistic background. My mom is very artistic. So she had a little bit of a time with that, learning that. But we ended up going through different ways of learning color and it ended up working out for me in the end. Well, and I gather you're now working as a professional in the arts, even in spite of having the color blindness. So, you know, obviously you've made it work. Yes. So that kind of brings up the issue of how you're able to create special effects makeup without being able to see the colors. And maybe first you should describe what you mean by special effects makeup. This is not just mascara and eyeshadow. Yes, this is definitely a little more intense. I typically go through with body painting. I use special different paints to paint on the skin, create different looks. 
Sometimes I'll use prosthetics, which is like a fake skin, to make different parts different, have a different jawline, have a different mouth, completely change the way that somebody looks. And with being colorblind in that part of the industry, it's tough because a lot of eyeshadow palettes or paint palettes, there's usually an array of colors that go from one to the other, but they're slightly different. So it's a little bit tricky to tell the difference between those because they're close to each other. So how does that affect what you do? I mean, you are often looking for exact colorations, I would guess, and gradations of colors on these faces, and this must be a bit of an impediment. How do you compensate? A lot of the times I read the labels. That's a big thing. I always have to make sure that I'm checking the labels. I usually have my little sister, she'll label the little plastic sheet that comes on top of a paint palette or an eyeshadow palette so that I can see, oh, this is a blue. It might be a little blue, but it's a blue. And then I'll know at least that that's the color that I'm going for. I have recently received in chroma glasses, which are an extreme, extreme difference and major plus to seeing color. And how do they work? In chroma glasses work almost to put like a filter over it. The way I best explain it is it's as if you're editing a picture in some software and you up the saturation of the picture. And then that's what the it seems like when the glasses get put on. They change everything completely. So this will change the appearance of red and green sufficiently that you can notice the difference. Yes. I noticed when I first put on the glasses, the first thing I was looking at was the grass. I couldn't stop looking at the grass. And as I was driving home from putting on the glasses, I was noticing fire hydrants, something that I had never noticed before. But I could tell because my brain was catching them that that was something that I normally wouldn't see. And I would just caught myself looking at fire hydrants. I was amazed by fire hydrants when I first put them on. Oh, this is interesting. You actually wear these sort of in the normal course of the day while you're driving and other activities? I thought they were just for, you know, special times when you needed to distinguish colors. The plus side within chrome glasses are they are just like regular glasses. They're just like regular, like vision enhancing glasses. Um, I can wear them all day whenever I want to. I typically put them on in the morning. I actually have my prescription put into them so that I can just wear them throughout the day. What do they look like to someone from the outside? Are they tinted somehow? They have two different kinds of glasses. There's the indoor ones and the outdoor ones. The outdoor ones are a little darker. They work a little bit better because the um, technology behind the lenses is a little stronger. So they're a little bit more like sunglasses. And then the indoor ones kind of have like, I've been explained that they almost look like they have like a pink hue to them, but it's lighter and less opaque. So you can see indoors and it not be too dark. Are these relatively new devices? I never heard of these growing up as a youth. The Enchroma glasses, originally it just wasn't a big thing, but then more and more there was different videos of people trying them on and their experience and how it went. And it's growing. It's not that big yet, but everybody who has them and who has tried them on is trying to spread the word more and more so that people can see this because it truly is an amazing experience. I assume that your color vision was pretty much stable for your whole life until you got these glasses. Did that take you some time to adjust to learn how to interpret all the new information coming in? 
<laughs> I've had the Enchromon glasses for about a year now, the outdoor ones, and I'm still trying to learn. It's definitely one of those things that I'm 23 years old, so 23 years of learning colors the way that they were, and then now having these new glasses that enhance the color, I'm relearning colors all over again. So this is a whole new learning experience, and it does get a little difficult, and it is still a little bit frustrating because sometimes my brain will tell me, oh, this hue is this color, but then when I put the glasses on, it's different, and I have to adjust myself to remember that color. It's almost like relearning it all over again. Yeah, I guess we have a lot of colors that are sort of ingrained in our mind. We know the sky is blue, the grass is green, and all of a sudden, it's a, if it's a different tint, that's got to be a little bit confusing. Yes, it definitely is. One of the most confusing things, I think, for me when I put on the glasses was I realized that peanut butter wasn't green. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> my whole life growing up, I thought peanut butter was green. And then when I looked at it with my glasses, I was like, wait, what? And I was like in shock because it just was one of those things that I didn't know. I honestly had no idea. And you don't talk to people about the color of peanut butter. So nobody ever corrected me. So it just really threw me off. And no one ever says this peanut butter looks very similar to the color of grass. They just say it looks like peanut butter and it looks like normal peanut butter and it hasn't gone bad. Yes. Yep. Interesting. Have you used any other adaptations besides getting the colors on your palette labeled? Not really. That's the way that it's always been. Before I learned color, I learned how to read what the color was. That was the first thing. That's something that I've always done. And if for some reason that the palette didn't have the name on it, that I would just have somebody label it for me or ask whoever I'm working on. I would let them know ahead of time, I'm colorblind, so this is something that we may come across. I'm just going to have to ask you what color it is, and then they will tell me. Mm -hmm. You must get some interesting reactions to that. Yes. Usually once people find out that I'm colorblind, they are very surprised and confused that how I can do what I do but still be colorblind. It's a lot of reading the colors and just learning that this is how this goes. I studied a lot with color theory and just trying to figure out how I can work with what I was given. So you learn to interpret what you're seeing in a way that makes sense fitting in with what other people see. Yes. A lot of times I would look at a makeup look, and in my eyes I would think, that doesn't look right, this looks weird to me, but I know based on what other people see and what the majority sees that this is correct and this is what will look best with this. <laughs> So I looked at your Facebook page and some other places and found lots of pictures of makeup that you had applied to various people. And some of this is very fantastic in the sense of not being realistic on purpose. Does that make it easier for you in the sense that you don't need to match natural skin tones and you can just make somebody blue? <laughs> yes, that has been kind of like a crutch for me, I guess I would say. I definitely go more for the fantasy looks because of not having to worry about something like that. It can be my own interpretation and nobody can judge it based on what color it should be. I'm currently trying to get more into the beauty industry and doing beauty makeups. So I did get the indoor glasses from Enchroma as well, so that those can help me a little bit better with matching skin tones and doing eyeshadow that blends together and stuff like that, just so that 
I can up my artistry and continue moving forward in this industry. Can you describe just a couple of your favorite, I don't know what to call them, projects that you've done? They're really, really beautiful. My favorite makeup look that I've ever created probably would have to be my jester. I did do like a Mardi Gras inspired look. Um, I had these really cool points coming out of my forehead with bells. So it looked like I was wearing a hat, but it was actually coming out of my skin. I did a scary version of that again for Halloween, repurposed it. That was really exciting. I recently did the Queen of Hearts. That one was pretty cool. I was very proud of that one. That one I worked on for almost three years. It was drawn and I was just waiting to find the right model for it. And it coming to life was really exciting. And recently you've added some very artistic photographs of work you've done on various models. And I was really struck by the model that you painted in metallic gold. And she was spectacular. Thank you. So I'm wondering what the reaction is from colleagues in the field and possible employers to you being colorblind. I mean, you don't have a visual disability or, you know, any kind of issue that's readily apparent to people. So you can kind of sneak in and, you know, no one would know. But is this something you talk about with potential employers or colleagues or how is it received? I usually try to lead in with that only because in the long run, if I try to keep it a secret or not necessarily tell people later down the road, if I make a mistake, it's a little embarrassing to then have to explain it. It's kind of tricky, though, because it's a double-edged sword. Because when you explain it to somebody that you're colorblind, I almost always have to go through the entire process of, no, it's not like a dog. I don't see black and white. Like, this isn't the problem. I only can't see shades. So it's one of those tough things that you kind of have to continue and push through it because it's going to be asked. I haven't had a bad experience with telling somebody that I'm colorblind as far as an employer aspect. But... They do question it, but then they look at my array of work that I've created and they know that I can work through it. So you do approach this directly. You show them your work and they're a little less reticent about hiring someone that, you know, on the surface might seem that you couldn't do the job. But once you prove you can and you did, that makes it better, I guess. Yes, I always come with my portfolio. And as they're looking at my portfolio, I usually explain to them that I am colorblind and this is an issue that I've dealt with my entire life. And I've learned to work with it and continue to do what I do. The other question I had was about these Enchroma glasses. I've never heard of them. I don't know how many people have. Where did you first learn about it? Did you get this suggestion from an ophthalmologist, an optician, or did you have to just find out about it by word of mouth or on the internet? It was the internet, actually. My mom found a video. It was titled, Two Brothers See Color for the First Time. And my mom watched it and I was in the room and I wasn't really paying attention, but she started crying and she was like, this is something that could happen for you. Like this could happen. And then I ended up working towards it and a couple of my friends and family members actually put money together so I could purchase these glasses because they are on the higher end. But we all pitched in together and I was able to get them so that I could experience this process. It's kind of incredible to me that... You know, you wouldn't get this advice from an eye professional. It's surprising to me as well, because 
I went through different processes. As I grew up, we kind of went and checked to see if it's gotten worse. I did a bunch of the Ishihara colorblind tests. And just to see what my progression has been, if it's gotten worse, if it's gotten better. And I've always noticed that it's just kind of stayed the same. And those Ishihara tests, those are the ones where you get all the different colored spots and... If you have normal color vision, you'll see a number like a six or a three. But if you have a color deficiency, depending on what it is, you'll see some other figure or character. Yes. Yep. When I go to different doctors and say something about the enchroma glasses, they're usually surprised too. So this is something that's very much under the radar that I've been doing the best that I can to bring it up because it's an amazing experience. There's about 13 million people in the U.S. who are colorblind, and they don't know about this option, and this option could change their life potentially. I was going to say, colorblindness is pretty common, particularly among men. Yes. Um, one in 12 men, about 8%, are colorblind, and then one in 200 women are colorblind. So it's more common of a men. Yeah, and the old joke is, one of 12 men are colorblind and the rest of them just dressed that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I suspect many of these people aren't even aware that they're colorblind. Yes. A lot of people don't even know it. Sometimes I'll be talking with somebody and I'll just notice that they're having issues with color or something. And I'll think in my head and I'll be like, I wonder if that's an issue. And lately I've been trying to become more of an advocate for colorblindness because that's going to be part of my brand moving forward is just having this issue, being proud of it, learning to work through it and continuing to do what I do and follow my dreams. So with people, when I notice somebody else who has this problem, I usually try to bring it up and I'm like, hey, maybe you should check and see if this is a thing. Maybe go to your doctor and get it tested because there are some options, they don't fix colorblindness, but they do help with seeing different things. And speaking of not knowing about colorblindness, you ran into some interesting experiences years ago, Nancy, when we were working at Xerox and you were doing some research into color science. What did you find when you showed some of your colleagues those Ishihara colorblindness tests? Yeah, the last project I was working on at Xerox had to do with determining what the limits of human vision were in terms of seeing any potential defects on the page so that we would know how good the prints had to be. And before any of my volunteers could do my psychophysical studies, I showed them the Ishihara plates. And two different people tested as having significant color deficiencies, and neither one of them knew that they were color deficient. And that was truly amazing. And one of them grew up in Ukraine. He was inducted into the military. They gave him a colorblindness test. He, of course, failed dismally. And they accused him of cheating because his answers were perfect for somebody who had a severe color deficiency. But then when I did it 10 or 20 years later, he came up with the same answers. He's like, really? I guess I am colorblind, but I never knew it. And so, you know, you can get through daily life unless you're trying to do something where subtle color differences really make a difference.
Now for this week's final item, how you can get in touch with Toby, how you can follow some of his work, and how you can also learn more about the Enchroma glasses. So if people want to find out more about you or connect with you, how would they be able to do that? Currently, my main platforms for social media is Facebook and Instagram. Both of those are Toby Michael FX. And then I have recently started a YouTube channel. I do have a video on there where I unbox my new Enchroma glasses. And that is Toby Michael FX as well. Can you spell Toby Michael FX? T O B Y M I C H A E L F X. Now, how we first heard about you is that I follow an assistive technology group on Twitter, and somebody, I think, in Texas posted a video about you and your work. Do you have the link to that? I do. Um, I did do a video coverage story with Barcroft TV, and they went through the process of me being colorblind and me talking about the Enchroma glasses. And we will have a link to that in our show notes. Most of our listeners have visual acuity issues as opposed to you with fine acuity, but the colorblindness issue, but they may have colorblindness issues as well. Can you provide a link to the Enchroma eyeglasses? Yes, that's just regular Enchroma.com. That is where they sell their products. They also have tests to see if you are colorblind, how strong your colorblindness is. And then they have a whole store with different indoor glasses and outdoor glasses as well. So even if your ophthalmologist isn't checking you for colorblindness, you can do this on the web through their site. Yes, they do have a test for you to go and check and see what your proficiency is. And can you spell Enchroma? It is E-N-C-H-R-O-M-A. So they would be at www.enchroma.com? Yes. Great. And as usual, you'll be able to find all the contact information and the links we talked about in the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. That's it for show number 1823. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about the human visual system. Dan Roberts maintains the MD Support Group, a resource for people with macular degeneration and similar retinal diseases. And he's been on the show before talking about his support group and the services that they provide. Next week, we'll hear a presentation that Dan gave about the astounding design and capabilities of our eyes. Lots of interesting and fun facts about the eyes are presented, including an explanation of how baseball players are able to hit fastballs in spite of the fact that they're actually going too fast to be able to see them. So we are very grateful to Dan for giving us permission to play the audio that he created. If you have any questions regarding something you've heard about on the show or you'd like to share an idea for a future show, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net or call us at 585-210-8094.
You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. Browse the full archive of programs, find instructions for subscribing to the podcasts, and much more at www.eyesonsuccess.net. You can also find us on iTunes and follow us on Facebook at Eyes on Success or Twitter at underscore Eyes on Success. We hope you will join us again next week for more information and updates on products for accessible living. Thanks for listening to Eyes on Success and have a nice day.